Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. One of the reasons I love being a podcaster is meeting people who lift me up and help me learn about new ways to help myself and others. Today's guest is someone who does both. Angie Gray uses her lived experiences and vast knowledge to support herself and others in their journeys to wellness. Welcome to the podcast, Angie. I can't wait to learn more about what you do. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I didn't really say anything at all about who you are, what you do, um, where you are. So, so please share with uh, our listeners uh, all about you. Sure. So I'm Angie. Um, I am a mom first. Um, I'm a wife. I am, we live in Florida where we just moved from my hometown to a town about an hour away. Mm-hmm. And we are planning to move to central Florida by the end of the summer. So lots of transition. It's very exciting. Um, yeah. Professionally, I am a master certified NLP life coach. Um, I'm an integrative nutrition health coach. And I started all of this as a massage therapist um, in 2004. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the journey kind of has taken me through loops. It's been fun. Um, we we did, um, we were homeschooling our son for a few years. And when we moved here, um, you know, we didn't know anybody here. And this, everything checked off, all the, all the things that I was nervous about public schooling because mm-hmm. there are no private schools here because it's such a small, small town. Um, everything checked off. And I'm so happy we found it because the school is amazing. But I, I really hope that I get to homeschool again because that was, that was beautiful to me. Um, we follow the Montessori philosophy of education and living. Um, it kind of just came naturally to me and my husband and is what helped me learn about or helped me discover NLP. Because in Montessori, one of the main things that me and my husband love about Montessori is you speak to the child as if they are another human being on the same level as you. You speak to them with respect. And you speak to them in ways that you tell them what you would like them to do, and they may or may not do it. But when I figured out, when I was introduced to NLP, I learned, oh, so you just speak to adults the same way. You speak to yourself the same way with kindness and lovingness and what it is that you want from them or for yourself. So all of it just fits together in this beautiful puzzle to me that I know a lot of other people look at me and they're like, well, how does any of this connect? I'm like, it, it just does. It's the perfect yeah. puzzle. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, that's such a really interesting journey. For our listeners who don't know what NLP is, can you explain a little bit? Yes, I'm sorry. So NLP is Neuro Linguistic Programming, and basically it is the user's manual for the mind. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a way to communicate with yourself and others to 
get the outcome, actually get the outcome that you want versus going on with the programming that we were taught by our caregivers and society of just going, you know, taking what you, taking like what you have, what you get and mm-hmm. trying to do the best with that. This way you speak in a way that your mind understands what it is that you actually desire and you match up with that. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more to that. So yeah, but, um, <laughs> yeah. thank you for you know anybody who's interested in, in if you have any specific uh, website or websites, that people could, you know, look at. Um, of course, they can get in touch with you, and we'll we'll put all that information in the show notes. But if you have any particular website that explains more about it, um, I'd be happy to to add it to the show notes. So the okay. first question I always ask my guests, Angie, is if I say the word belonging or feeling a sense of belonging, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Um, the very first thing that comes to mind is I get this like warm feeling in my chest. Mm-hmm. And belonging starts with you, how you feel about yourself, because how you feel about yourself is the people and circumstances that you're going to attract to yourself. Right. So you have to be able to be comfortable in your own skin by yourself if you're going to find a sense of belonging elsewhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I call that self-belonging. I think there are others probably who call it that, but it's that whole idea of forming your self-concept in a positive way. Um, And I know that's one of the things that you, you, you talk to, uh, to your clients about also. So um, I know in your bio, you know, you said you're a mom first and how you sort of came to, to what you did, but just really briefly, what is your work? I mean, what are the things that you do in your professional sense? I'm a coach, so I help women break the toxic patterns that they've been programmed to accept. And mm-hmm. I teach them how to use language so that they can create the life that they want to. And I help them understand how, like I said before, Self-belonging is the key to belonging. You have to understand who you are. You have to love and appreciate who you are, quote unquote, flaws and all, Mm -hmm. because it's just a part of us. If we cannot accept those things about ourselves, you can't expect somebody else to. Right. I love the way you put that. Um, Yeah, I talk about that in, in my book, Journeys to Belonging, but I think it's it's really well said by you in terms of how we picture ourselves is how other people are going to perceive us. Um, So if we've got this negative self-talk in our heads, it's going to emanate out to others. Um, So yes, the first question, well, obviously I just asked the first question about belonging, but the first question particular to you, Angie, and the past few years have been obviously traumatic for everyone around the world. Um, we continue searching for paths uh, to mental health and well-being, but sometimes the struggle to know where to start. You know, people say self-care, self-care, and it's you know not just a massage and going to get your nails done. 
Um, so you have a coaching framework that you call the Mahal method. I think I pronounced it correctly. Can you describe what it is, why it's Mahal and how it can help us on our path to wellness? Yes, of course. So the Mahal method, um, I named it the Mahal method because I'm half, to, um, I'm half Filipino. Mm -hmm. Mahal in Tagalog means love. And sometimes it means expensive as in like quality you know, like nice, rare. And mm -hmm. in the ancient, before pre-colonialization, uh, pre Mahal was a way you um, spoke to royalty. Uh, so I sometimes I would say, oh, to my son, oh, come here, Mahal. And he knows I'm saying, come here, my prince. And, you know, I, Mahal Kita means I love you. So I'm, when I say Mahal Kita, that means I am holding you to this, you know, this standard, this reverence, this importance of mm -hmm. who you are in my life. And so the Mahal method starts with loving yourself and holding yourself as that king or queen that you are that you inherently are on the inside before all the programming from everyone and everything on the outside, mm -hmm. the soul you came in with, you know? Right. Yeah, so, before all the socialization and the social constructs that sort of <laughs> squeeze our identities. Yes, mm -hmm. go ahead. Yep, and um, so with the Mahal Method, we start with where you are. Mm -hmm. What brought you here? Why, why have you decided that you needed outside help to help with whatever it is that you're going through? So what's going on? And then we figure out where it is you want to be. Mm -hmm. And with those two things, I'm able to help you figure out where it is that your programming is keeping you stuck. What and I can hear whatever language patterns that you have, that you, I mean, we don't know about our language. It's hard for us to know about our language patterns if we have never studied language patterns before. Right. You know, so I can hear those language patterns and I can start to help tweak them for you through, you know, direct lessons. And a lot of times I use a lot of um, conversational hypnotherapy while I'm working, while I'm coaching my clients, because that is a way to help you start picking up language and vocabulary in a different way than you're probably used to. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I learned what these little tiny tweaks of language, how powerful they are, that was a game changer for me and my family. And then I was like, I wanna teach this to, everybody I know. Right. I want to teach this to everybody I don't know yet, you know? <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And you mentioned um, something, conversational hypnosis. Mm -hmm. um, what, what is that? Can you just sort of explain a little bit more about that? I've never heard that before. I, I so, know about hypnosis, but you know, conversational hypnosis, it sounds really fascinating. So conversational hypnosis is something that politicians use. It's ad, ad people use it. So that's one of the reasons why television is 
hypnotic. There's there's many reasons why, but that is one reason why. Um, but conversational hypnosis is just a way of me listening to as if we are in a in a coaching container. I listen to what you're saying and I listen to what you're not saying. And mm-hmm. I ask you other questions to dive deeper into what it is that you actually mean. And then you know how when you're talking to someone or you're working with someone and you repeat back what they say mm-hmm. with conversational hypnosis in a coaching setting, I repeat back to you what you are meaning to say. So mm-hmm. that way you repeat it in a way that your mind, your subconscious mind right. actually understands and takes you on that path to actually achieving whatever it is that you want. Right. Yeah. Wow. Sounds really, really powerful because you're actually, like you said, retraining yourself, retraining your mind because, you know, we're, we're very subjective. We don't hear ourselves often that we we have these patterns and interesting that you're, you're trained to the point where when you hear someone say something, you can know exactly what they mean, which may not be what they intended or the way that they spoke it. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, the person will will be able to retain that and then direct more deeply um, where they're going. You know, it will sort of mm-hmm. pinpoint the kinds of things that they may not even realize they want or need. Um, mm-hmm or that have been so deep seated. So that that's really, really fascinating. Um, you mentioned in your bio that, and you mentioned a little earlier also when you were, when you were talking about the fact that you're a second generation Filipina. And um, it's one of your life experience that has informed your coaching style. I mean, just by talking about uh, the framework, which is the Mahal method, which, which pulls on your heritage. Um, and it's, so it's informed your coaching style as it explores the intersections of culture, spirituality, and healing. I'd, I'd love for you to expand on that. Um, I think it has particular significance in our schools because it speaks to exactly what you're talking about and what I think is really important also is the sense of self-belonging or self-concept. So... Um, you know, the whole idea of identity and, and the, the culture and things like that. How does that guide you? And uh, what has sort of your path been in all of that? So growing up as a second generation Filipino, I'm, I'm biracial. My mother, which many of my friends' mothers or fathers and fathers, when they came from the Philippines or even other cultures, when they came from another country and they came to America, they were either expected to, or they thought they had to, you know, completely let go of their, their cultural roots that they came from. They had to Americanize themselves. Mm -hmm. So growing up half Filipino, I didn't ever feel like I fit in with the other white kids because I was darker than them. And I didn't feel like I fit in with the other brown kids because 
I wasn't as brown as them and I didn't speak the language, you know, so I was in this in between all my life growing up. And then in high school, oh, and I also didn't go to the school that all the other Filipinos went to. So I I just felt I was always just in between, which worked. Yeah, which worked for a lot of things because I was friends with almost everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, But I never felt like I belonged to a group. Like I saw so many other people just have this group, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, you didn't see yourself in that. Right, you know, you right. Yeah, there was, there was something that was missing. Yes, yeah. I understand. Yeah, go ahead. So one of the reasons why I make sure to bring my Filipino side into my coaching containers is because there are so many other people like me who... I would never know that they didn't feel like they didn't belong. But when, when that conversation comes up, I still hear it from friends who are half Filipino and half white, just like me, who I grew up with, I would have never known if we didn't have that conversation, you know? So, I mean, it's just a normal thing that we think we think is normal, but I mean, it is normal, but it's a, it's a sense, it's something in our heart that we want to belong, that we can't even word because they're, you know, it's just not something you, we saw growing up. I think it's more prevalent now, but I'm not in school. So I don't know, but I know for the other adults like me, there are things in the Filipino culture that, you know, we long for, we, we want, but we, feel so detached from it because we either have never been to our homeland. Like I have not ever been to the Philippines and that's something I want to do. I am learning now how to speak Tagalog. Me and my son are taking Tagalog lessons and it's so much fun. It is so much fun. What a a great bonding experience too. I love it so much. And he's picking up on it so fast. And um, he, through this class, they have taught us some old traditions that I never took part in because, wow. you know, you're American. You need mm-hmm. to be American. You live in America. You need to be American, you know, mm-hmm. and he is all, like, um, there's, there's a thing called monopo where you, if you are younger, you take the elder's hand and you put it on your forehead. He yeah. does that to me all the time. Oh, wow. And I just think it is the sweetest thing. And he doesn't see anybody do it, but the fact that he takes the time to do that right. is, it's everything. I feel like I'm doing something right, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Instilling the culture. Um, I mean, having any kind of exposure to other cultures is of course, extremely important We and, and other languages, obviously, but we, we often find, you know, life kind of continues. And um, it, we, like you said, we, we don't realize what we're missing. We don't realize that sort of part of us that we've, we, we buried without realizing it, it's buried. Um, and I'm sure that um, when you have conversations with, with people who have, I mean, we, we talk about the intersection of identities, right? And it, it isn't, sometimes it isn't just 
the, you know, the culture that we came from or the fact that we're half and half or second or third generation, but it, it could have to do, you know, with uh, identity and gender and other ways. Um, exactly. Recognizing that's all part of who we are on this journey to self-belonging or discovering ourselves is obviously really important. And I, I think the work that you do in order to help people get there is just so important. And the fact that you're paying attention to it with your son, how old is he now? He's seven, he's gonna be eight in two weeks. Oh, wow. Happy early birthday to him. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yeah. So that's a great segue into my next question. So I'm curious to know about your journey as a mother. And as you mentioned, that was the first thing you talked about in your bio. And in your background information, you wrote, uh, quote, I'm, I became interested in self-hypnosis during my pregnancy while my husband was away on deployment with the United States Air Force. Started studying how my emotions and thoughts as a mother affect my child while in utero. I, th I think this is also fascinating. And learning to speak to my child, I, I sort of uh, changed it a little bit throughout his life to help him feel secure, safe, secure, and independent. That Those are your words, which I think are so important. So belonging in early childhood is a topic that I have recently been very interested in since I became a grandma or nana, as I like to be called, to three amazing babies, which is why... We've sort of waited several months before we could record this podcast. Um, and again, thank you for being so patient. So as an educator, I am keen to ensure that our students feel that sense of belonging, especially the sense of self-belonging, which you're all about also, as soon as they start attending daycare or school program, um, or even homeschool like you've been doing um, for your son. So tell me more about how you made the belonging connection with your son. You talked a little bit about, you know, the, the language learning and so forth, but take us back to the, you know, what you're talking about in terms of um, in utero and then, you know, in the early days and so forth. Because again, I, I am really keen to, to start discussing that and um, really letting our listeners know, um, not just educators, but parents uh, everywhere. So, so yeah, so take us on that journey. Okay. Yeah. So when we found, so me and my husband tried to get pregnant for three years. Um, the doctor said, you probably won't be able to have children. You need to find another way to have a family if this is what you want. So we were like, okay. Um, we said, we will figure out adoption um, when he gets back from his deployment. And um, of course, as soon as you let it go, the universe says, here you go. It's what you've been wanting. The timing is totally wrong, but here you go. We found out two <laughs> weeks before he had to go on deployment. And my husband, he was, he was so distraught. I said, it's fine. It's fine. I know you love me. Mm -hmm. I know you're I mean, I feel so secure in our relationship. It is fine. I know that I can take care of me mm -hmm. and as long as I have, as long as I can feel your love from across the world, that is all that we need. We will figure out how to talk to each other. It is completely fine. Um, and so wow. I took that time to really figure out, I, 
my thought process went, okay, so if this baby is inside me and my thoughts are inside me, that means my baby can hear, feel, and understand my thoughts. So I want to make sure that my thoughts are as pure and uplifting and beautiful to give him the best start he can have. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how, how do I find this? Thank you, Google. You know, and I found <laughs> hypno babies. And I was like, okay, what is this? Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So hypno babies is a way to basically hypnotize yourself so that you can have a pain-free delivery, which mm-hmm. it did work for me, but I used it and as a way to start thinking and like reprogramming my brain so that my thoughts were productive and they were, you know, positive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how can I use this to help my baby? And it was great. It was honestly, it was a bunch of affirmations, which I, which I had never done before. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't and, take the time to do that. You're right. Yeah. Right. And I thought that was the perfect time. What mm-hmm. better time than now? You know, sure. I was like, if it doesn't work, I got nine months. That's it. You know, like, yeah, this is a nine month experience, uh, experiment, <laughs> not a big oh. deal. <laughs> right. Well, um, the, the hypnobirthing helped me, you know, stay in this positive frame. I learned how to speak to my baby, you know, intentionally. Mm-hmm. I made sure that the music I listened to, the TV shows I listened to, the books I read, the conversations I had, because our language creates our world. Our language creates our thoughts, our thoughts create our world. Mm-hmm. That I understood. Um, and once he was born. I said, how can I take this to the next level? Now that, now, now that he is out of me, does he, you know, is he psychic? Like, can he read my thoughts, you know? So how can I take this to the next level? And that's how I found Montessori. So instead of just thinking these thoughts, I said them out loud. You know, I made sure to say these positive things out loud. I made sure to speak to him as in a way of saying, you can do it mommy's here, you're safe, you know, um, yeah. And then from there, um, we learned the difference between Montessori and, uh, just regular public school Mm -hmm. education and how Montessori works with the development of the child's mind versus trying to fit it into a box. Mm -hmm. I was like, perfect, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I know you said your son is in school, but you're hoping to, to homeschool again. Mm-hmm. Um, just what was, what was that ex- or what is that experience like? I mean, is it, is it, I've read about Montessori and Reggio Emilia. I know it's very exploratory. It's very, uh, child guided. Um, what are some of the things that you found really successful in terms of encouraging your son to, to feel more secure in himself, uh, especially as, as self-confidence, as self-esteem, those things that often are lacking in our children because they don't get exposed to those kinds of experiences. It's this rule following and, you know, stay in your seat kind of 
kind of environment. So what, what have you seen with, uh, that, that has worked with your son? Giving him a safe place, safe space to explore, mm -hmm. giving him boundaries so that he can be quote unquote dangerous, you know, mm -hmm. jump, play, do all those things right. where me, Angie, the mom, the person who has <laughs> none of this, you know, education about all of these, all of these things. Yeah. I'm like, please stop. You know, I'm, I am. <laughs> I mean, that part is still me, you know, I'm sure. still a mom and I still want him to be safe. And if I could wrap him in a bubble, sometimes that's just, that would be amazing, but I know yeah. that's not going to help him right. in any situation. It's true. So let him hurt himself. Let him explore. Eventually he's going to find out, right. you know, oh, if I keep doing this, it's going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. giving him the space to explore. And then the thing that I really like about Montessori is that you, these abstract thoughts or these abstract concepts like math, you know, they, they give you, I know a lot of my friends are like, who I've seen like his homeschool room, because we, we still have his homeschool room. Mm -hmm. They see a bunch of toys, right? What it actually is, is a bunch of physical tools to help them manipulate and have a con concrete thing that they can hold that represents these big con uh, concepts like numbers right. and math nouns mm -hmm. you know right so it helps him see what it is that he's thinking mm -hmm. and now since he's in public school you know that's been a little challenge not so much for him, but me and his dad, it's hard for us to see the way that public school teaches, which there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with it. It's just not what we're used to. Right. And the way my son is able to do these math problems in his head so quickly, like completely blows my mind. And He's just like, oh, it's just 10 blocks. And he's using, when he's talking to us, he uses the Montessori terminology. Okay. I'm just like, oh yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And he, I mean, he is. So yes. it's, he's got yeah. that confidence that he knows what he's talking about, which is yeah. absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And that's, that's wonderful too, because we often say that um, students these days aren't able to hold things in their heads. They're not able to, uh, to do the kind of computation that I learned to do when many, many, many years ago when I was in school. There was a lot of mental math, a lot of really um, being able to hold things and um, troubleshoot and all of that. And they talk about, you know, the learning, they talk about lack of engagement, that, that big buzzword of education, that there's lack of engagement by students. And, there needs to be more authentic learning, experiential learning, and so forth. And again, it takes me back to, to Montessori, Reggio Emilia, this whole idea of project-based learning, where you start with something that uh, the child is interested in, that the child can either see or Im imagine um, and be able to connect to. Again, that sense of safety and belonging. 
Um, and I, I like the fact that you mentioned that, you know, you create the safe environment, but he might be sort of unsafe in it um, because he wants to experiment and do things. And I know that I have talked to parents in the past when I was a principal about the fact that we can't constantly try to make sure that our children are okay. I mean, we, we can try to do that, but in the end, our children will be unable to make decisions themselves, uh, will be afraid to fail, afraid to try new things. Talk about growth mindset. They're going to be so fixed mindset because they don't want to have that experience of being told they're wrong. And because they've never had that experience before. So we can't really save them all the time. I love the fact that you, you mentioned that you, as a mother, you would like to do that, but you sort of, when you can, because we do make, you know, we do get involved and we do say no sometimes, but, um, you know, is, is to realize that they have to do that. That's part of the way that they become healthy. Right. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's not just the mental health, it's the academic health and everything that goes with it. Uh, yep. So, yeah, yeah. I, uh, oh, I, I just love everything that you're talking about. We, we have so many connections and so many levels. Uh, you know, the fact that we sort of randomly connected, I think, is not random at all. Um, truth be told. So, Angie, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or anything else you wanted to mention to our listeners that I, I haven't either asked you about or you haven't had a chance to talk about yet? I'm sure that there's something. <laughs> <laughs> Just learn to trust yourself as a, as a person and as a parent, as a caregiver. Know that that little part of you that ultimately knows what is right and wrong and safe and not right. your child has also, yeah, we have to watch and guide them and make sure that they are safe, but they're good. You know, if yeah. they want to explore something, let them explore it. Just get, right. you know, have that boundary because that boundary is what makes it safe. Mm -hmm. You know, right. Right. And yeah, when you, if you give them the tools, yeah. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, let them learn to be a think for themselves. That is such a big thing for me. Like I just want my son to even when he disagrees with me or mm -hmm. is mad, I'm like that's fine. Have that feeling, you know. And because I allow him to say no to me, to other adults, he knows how to say no or reject something without being rude, without having a tantrum. Mm -hmm. And I think that is huge, you know, because he's, he's been given the space to explore that. Right. Yeah. And it's, I, I think it also connects to you. You just mentioned boundaries for, for adults, but it also means that uh, children learn that there are boundaries too. Mm -hmm. um, and boundaries that allow them to be who they are and not be interfered or told if it's something they feel very strongly about. And I'm sure you have discussions with, uh, with your son about things that perhaps you either disagree with or you're not sure that he understands fully well um, about why he's saying no and so forth. But yes, and also this connection you made to saying no politely 
say mm -hmm. no in a way that's not rude. Um, if we don't allow them that ability, they're just going to come out and be really angry at us. And they are going to be rude to us because they don't know any different. Or shut down. Or shut and down. Yes. I would rather, I would rather an outburst of anger than shutting down. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. The getting quiet always is a worry. Um, mm -hmm. If, if they're, they're not able to process it on, on their own, especially at, at a young age, like, like seven, there's lots going on there, but there are still things that they're, they're not able to, to process, especially big emotions. So mm -hmm. um, this has been wonderful, Angie. I've really, really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm, um, I'm glad we're going to stay going to stay connected on social media and hopefully yes. have more conversations like this. Um, just please let everybody know where are the best places or is the best place to find you if they want to learn more about your work or just uh, follow you on social media and find out what you're up to. So on social media, I am mostly on Instagram and you can find me at, um, on Instagram at I am Angie Gray. Angie is spelled A-N-J-I-G-R-A-Y. Okay. Um, and you can also go to my website, www.thenewclassicwoman.com. And if you go to, we didn't speak too much about this, um, but I have a free guide, um, an EFT tapping guide that I use oh. with myself and my clients and my son. My mm -hmm. son knows how to do tapping and when to do tapping. And it's just a great tool to be able to self-regulate. It is such a great tool as a, as a caregiver for a child because they love it because it's interactive like you were talking about before. It's right. engaging with each other. But you can get that at www.thenewclassicwoman/eft. Okay. And yep. yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, um, that, that was it. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. And all of that will be in the show notes so that uh, anybody who didn't catch it while you were saying it, uh, I, I, I've read about and looked into the tapping method. I haven't tried it myself, but I know people who use it and say that it is very beneficial. Um, so definitely if you're interested in knowing more about it um, and uh, Angie has a free guide on her website. Definitely visit her website and find out more and follow her on Instagram. I've started doing that now too. And uh, I, love, I love being connected and, and, uh, and, and listening to, to the things that you're uh, telling us and teaching us. So Angie, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And uh, I look forward to further conversations in the future. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved this conversation. Thank you.